Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Yeah, whatever. Ramsey! Bonjour, Marshall. How are you today? Oh, we uh, we oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> Got nothing but croissants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not, not, yeah, French is not my thing, uh, but I know that you've took a deep dive into one of the classics, uh, literary-wise, uh, so, yeah, the, the fact that you don't have a little thin mustache at this point and wearing a beret, I'm deeply shocked. <laughs> right. I have a, I have a friend who said that uh, she decided after a French film course in college that the essence of France was uh, a woman with a poodle sitting at a cafe contemplating if she was going to kill herself and i don't know if that's true or not i i don't know i don't know a lot about france but uh, yeah I, I read uh I, i'm in the process of reading uh, with my uh my book club shout out to them democracy in america by alexi de Tocqueville. and um it's this book written in the 1830s after he came back from uh, sort of a tour of america and you get the impression that he basically sidled up to every person he could he kept them all anonymous so that they would be comfortable talking to him and just soaked up the essence of what made america america and uh he's he's from france and he uh was an aristocrat uh, involved in politics and he saw some real dangers in democracy in france and he he makes a point of saying that he wrote the book in in a kind of religious terror <laughs> He was really like sort of in an existential crisis about this whole democracy thing. And that's where the tour came from. And that's uh, where, where the book came from after the tour. So it's, it's a fascinating look at what makes America really unique and distinct. Well, the first thing that I'm thinking is that if I was sitting around pondering a form of government and had questions, would I have gotten on a ship, <laughs> gone to right. another country, and wandered that country interviewing citizens? Uh, well, you know, maybe you would have if what had been happening in your country was, you know, uh, you know, the reign of terror and various, uh, you know, guillotine epidemics where, you know, the, the people had risen up, but uh, there was mass slaughter and violence and, you know, just, just power struggles. And, and then over here is America relatively peacefully uh blossoming into this uh you know democratic power um so I, th I think that's what got him excited at the time and our listeners at this point are going why are we talking about this this isn't a political science podcast but i think you'll see from the the quotes that i'll share today that there are real learnings for the modern organization that wants to have uh engaged employees uh, so that's that's why we're talking about this today. Well, that's fantastic. So yeah, let's uh, yeah. What can we learn from America, and what can we learn from an outsider's perspective on America? One hundred percent. This is an outside the fishbowl view, and I I've just pulled uh, a quote here that I'm going to uh, share uh, little bits of. I, I won't read you the whole thing, uh, but he he's just doing analysis about America, and so he he talks about the comparison to uh, countries in Europe. And he says, there are some nations in Europe whose inhabitants think of themselves in a sense as colonists, indifferent to the fate 
of the place they live in. And that was when I sort of like my radar went up like, boy, you know, if you thought about that in terms of instead of inhabitants, you thought about employees, you know, members of the organization. They're just colonists. You know, they're not true bona fide members of the organization. They're just colonists. They're indifferent to the fate of the place they live in. They're indifferent to the fate of that company, that business, that charity, whatever the organization is. And so he goes on to sort of describe some of the things about it. Uh, changes occur in their country without their cooperation. Uh, they're not even aware of precisely what has taken place. Uh, he says uh, uh, they enjoy what's going on in the organization without a sense of ownership. Uh, they never give a thought to how they might be improved. Um, and uh, when, when things go wrong, they might be so uh, divorced uh, from, from the organization that they might just cross their arms and wait for the nation as a whole to come to their aid instead of them you know, having some ownership and taking over. Uh, it says uh, they might submit to the policies of the organization of the, of the country, but, it, they, but uh, de Tocqueville says, no sooner is force removed than they are glad to defy the law. Uh, they, they might even go in uh, to where they're wavering between servitude and license you know, just the slave versus this total rebel. Um, and then the money quote at the end, he says, in such a place, one no longer finds citizens, but only subjects. Ooh. That was the part that just sort of chilled me to the core, you know, that, um, ooh, wow, there's something here, uh, all of these little symptoms that I just described, that uh, you, you, don't, you don't have citizens, you have subjects, and subjects act differently than citizens. They're just not as engaged, not as plugged in, not as valuable to the organization. So that's the, that's the quote uh, that I wanted to pull out a few things from. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's some deep stuff, man. Yeah. yeah the, the first thing I thought of was, was the, uh, the, in World War II, they were studying people's reaction to change. And there was four different people who showed up when you went to change something. There were victims critics bystanders and navigators so so three of the four were negative and as you're talking i'm thinking of the bystander You're right you, you know this this indifference to change this indifference yeah. to what's going around this indifference to wanting to make a contribution it's just this indifference and so yeah. uh, that that's that's very frightening when you think about it yeah cross your arms and wait right like mm -hmm. that's all you're gonna really do yeah, yeah, we always talk about, yeah, the, the bystander's favorite line is, lay low, this too will pass. Right. <laughs> you know, and whether you're talking about in a, in, a, in, a, in a democracy, in a form of government, or you're talking about your department uh, where you work. Right. Yeah, the same people show up. Right, e exactly. I mean, this is human nature. What we're talking about today is human nature. And uh, so, you know, with, with Liberty here, I, I pulled out uh, four different things that I hear there um, that uh, really speak to what you're talking about there with the World War II uh, research. Um, but it's sort of like, th think of this as a diagnostic um, about your organization. How engaged uh, do you have your people? Uh, are they subjects or are they citizens? Mm -hmm. And it, you, you see what you think about this, Mike, but here, here's my list of four things. Uh, first off, are they indifferent to the organization's fate? Do they even give a rip if things go well for the company or not, right? Uh, number two, 
Uh, do they lack a sense of ownership? And you might see that show up as they're reactive, but they're not really proactively uh, you know, uh, figuring out things uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the sake of you know, improving the organization. The third one is uninterested in the growth of the organization. You know, they're, they're happy to, you know, make widgets, do their role, but they're not thinking about the big picture of, of uh, it, are we as a company growing? We're just thinking about my, my job, my role. And then the final thing is they might even be just downright defiant of policies and processes unless forced. And by forced, it could be the pay plan. Like that's, as, that's the only reason they're obeying. It could be a temporary spiff. That's the only reason that they're playing ball. Um, it, it could be that you've just applied to threats to the organization, um, but in some form or fashion, uh, that's the only thing keeping them from defying uh, your policies, and maybe they're just defying them anyway. Uh, so that's my list. No, that's a, that's a frightening list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a pleasant not yeah, pleasant. yeah. If you if you if you're if you're a, if you're the leader of an organization, a department, a team, whatever, yeah, you just drew this continuum on, and you you put citizens at one side, subjects at the other, thought through those four criteria, and then just made a mark on the page, like, okay, where is my team? Uh, you know, where do they? You know, do I seventy yeah. percent subjects? You know, eighty percent right. subjects? You know, my half and half. I got some citizens and some subjects you know, where am I at and how do I, how do I move, uh, you know, my people closer to the, to citizen status, right? How do I, how do I get them to engage? Well, like we've talked about previously, uh, you know, if I'm a subject, I'm going to show up, I'm going to give you my hands, I'm going to do the minimum, I'm going to give you uh, enough work that you don't fire me. If I'm a citizen, I'm looking for, I liked your word proactive, I'm looking for ways to contribute, to add to, uh, yeah. and, and the, the, the one thing that one question that I ask is, is, are your people laying awake at night thinking about the same thing that you, the leader, are laying awake at night thinking about? Mm. And so, mm. yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, how do I, you know, I want to see this thing grow. I want to see it successful. Yeah. Even beyond the parts that affect me, you know, I'm, I'm going to take pride in that. I'm going to, that, that's, that's something that, that, that I'm fully engaged in. I worked for an organization a few years back and we did an exercise where everybody put on the wall sticky notes of what they wished for uh, the organization uh, or for their role or what have you. And uh, I was shocked how many of them brought up uh, things about the founder of the, of the company, you know, I, and I won't say his name, uh, but he had passed away. Um, and I, I wish Mr. Smith could still visit the store. I, I wish I wish Mr. Smith were still here to see the progress. Um, you know, like they were, you know, they were, I guess I won't say citizens, but maybe patriots. You know, they certainly weren't mercenaries. They were thinking about the, the good of the organization. And there are some levers at the disposal of the team leader to get some of that buy-in. So, so that's where we, we go with this. That's, that's the whole point of this um, being a podcast is not to be gloom and doom and dissect, you know, what's, uh, you know, what, where are the symptoms that show you've got a real problem, but there are really some opportunities here for improving. Oh, yeah. Well, and if you have, even if you just have a handful of citizens, uh, yeah. then, you know, our system is we go in and go, okay, 
how did you create those citizens? Yes. And let's let's figure that out. And then can we replicate that uh, with more more members of your team? That's right. That's right. And and so so let, let's move into that final area here. You know, those things that you can do. Um, one more quote from the book. And it's basically where he's talking about what it looks like when you have subjects. And he says, he says, part of the issue here is that um, in America, things were a little more decentralized. You know, the whole thing of the federal government and the states and the states and the towns. And, um, and it wasn't quite like that in Europe in most places. And he, he uses words like obedient and um, <laughs> unenlightened, incapable to describe some of the inhabitants of these places. And so you know, he says that's how it is when when centralized authoritarian governments get involved, kingdoms, um, crowns get involved. And in America, there is a, a federal government, but America's figured out how to do it differently. And he says, you know, that problem of, of all these unenlightened citizens, he says, I deny that it's so in America, uh, where the people are enlightened, alert to their own interests, and accustomed to thinking about them. So, so the American people are enlightened, alert to their own interests, and accustomed to thinking about them. And we're going to just push the political discussion right to the margins on this one, because that is not going to be uh, something that uh, will be healthy for us. But there are some real learnings there, again, for an employer. Um, so I, those three categories are, are what I want to uh, spend a little bit of time uh, talking about. Uh, how they're each levers here before i go there any any thoughts from you about that no no i think it's the recipe so you know we were talking about okay you have you have these citizens how did you create them uh, yeah. i think there's a a very good chance that the the three things are the uh, the key ingredients right throwing a yep. cup, of that, cup of enlightenment <laughs> we mix yep. it all up and, and uh, lo and behold we've got uh, we've got citizens so so please take us deeper into the recipe I, I so agree with what you said, and I'm going to do them in reverse order because I think that's um, the stickiest wicket. Let's do last. Is <laughs> basically what I'm what I'm thinking. So accustomed to thinking about them. Accustomed is a way of saying you have habits. You know, how do you get your people into a habit of engaging their thinking? You know, just like you said, that, that they lay awake at night thinking about the same things that uh, leadership does. And so, so what are those things that get people in a habit of thinking about the organization, engaging their brains and thinking about the organization? On my list, Mike, um, you know, regularly scheduled coaching, not fly-by-night coaching, not after the fact when there's been a problem coaching, but regular coaching sessions with your people. Um, doesn't have to be super formal. It just needs to be regular uh, where you're going to ask the right questions because, hey, in coaching, if I'm asking a question, I'm you know, knocking the ball on onto uh, your side of the net, you're the one engaging in thought now, answering that question. So regularly scheduled coaching is, is one way to do that. Um, a couple others that are kind of related, cross-functional teams. You know, you're, you're basically inviting folks to think about other roles, other departments, other, other sides of the organization, and talk through how to, how to uh, 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 invest in growing the organization and and they're seeing other perspectives too right they're they're thinking about things from other people's perspectives 
and uh, input gathering sessions, whatever that is. It, it might be the employee survey. It might be a town hall meeting or a, you know, a department meeting where the manager is sort of gathering feedback to funnel up to the top. I don't know what it looks like, but some way of, of getting the input of people, which again is just, I'm just knocking the ball across the net, asking you to address the ball. And, and in this case, that's a, a question that is asking you to think about, you know, what, you know, what, what would grow our organization? What would make us better for the customer? What would increase sales? Whatever it is. So that's, those are my, on my list of the things that get us accustomed to thinking about uh, the, the organization. But I love that because, you know, in all of these systems, we're, we're asking uh, instead right. of telling. And right. so if we want to we we, we give our opinion and then ask for feedback on it, uh, that's really not asking. And yeah. so, so, you know, we're always coaching our leaders. If we're going to go into a meeting, uh, let's make sure the hippo, uh, the highest, uh, you know, the highest paid person in the organization uh, is the last one to speak and to share their opinion. Yeah. And so if you're yeah. coaching, right, we've talked about coaching, a good coaching conversation. If I'm the coach, I'm talking 20% of the time, they're talking 80% of the time, you know, cross-functional teams. Right. Ideally, we're facilitating a conversation. We're not sharing what, what, what it is. And if we're input gathering, just by definition, right, we're, we're seeking that feedback. So, so it's almost impossible to guess what my people are thinking, uh, but it's incredibly easy to create the environment where they will share uh, what it is that they're accustomed to thinking about. And, yeah. And now we know, are they on the same page with us? Or are they, you know, they're, you know, are they going on an Easter egg hunt? And, and we have no idea where the eggs are. So yeah, right. That's, that's the opportunity that affords if you'll have the conversation. You, you have to have the conversation. And again, to your point about orchestrating the environment, um, is, it's Henry Cloud that says uh, the leaders are ridiculously in charge. You know, you're, you're in charge. You, you are the one who orchestrates the environment. That's on you. And so asking more questions, that's one way you orchestrate that environment, doing it in a format somehow. Um, so let's talk about the second one, uh, very much related, but, you know, no, notice his, his uh, wording here. He says, accustomed to thinking about them. So that's about the habit of thinking. And then the second is alert to their own interests. And I really want to highlight, you know, it's easy to think about the own interest part, right? Like you got to give everybody a whiff them, you know, what's in it for me? Uh, duly noted. I, I think that's fair. We've got to, we've got to help them make the connection on why this, you know, change we're about to make or the growth we want to see or the culture we're trying to create is important to them, but alert, alert to their own interests. You know, they, they've got to somehow have their radar up. And so, you know, what are some ways that you help them make that connection and keep that radar up where they're alert to it? You know, there, there's a number of things that um, uh, could be a part of this. Uh, new hire orientations, right? Um, I'm explaining, I'm onboarding people to say, this is what we do. This is why we do it. This is how it impacts you. This is how it impacts the customer. This is why it's such a big deal for the, for the coworker, you know, that you do things this way. Um, communication from leadership. You know, um, not everybody's a Warren Buffett and gets this, you know, once a year opportunity to write this amazing, you know, annual report that's going to be read by everybody um, and, uh, and, you know, impress them about uh, your thoughts. But, hey, everybody's got some way to do this. You know, is it a, I don't know, you know, maybe it's a newsletter, maybe it's a, 
you know, maybe it's a regular uh, town hall debrief where, you know, the, the owner's sharing uh, from her perspective about the organization. Um, but, but some, some regular communication where people aren't in the dark um, scoreboards, you know, tracking, uh, you know, not just the team goals, but, but their impact on things. And, and then the pay plans can reflect proactive behavior as well. So that, that's my list. I don't know what you would add to that. No, I like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Alert to uh, aware of, and so often we find that the, the, if the team member is trying to better themselves and take advantage of the opportunities that are within the organization, then the organization benefits from that, you know, that, <laughs> that proactive growth. So yeah, if I, if I'm alert to the opportunity to, <clears throat> to grow and learn to become a manager, right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's it. And, and, and uh, again, you know, to your point, uh, we, we didn't say bright spots, but that's sort of what we've been hinting at. You know, you've, you've already got some people bought in. They're the bright spots. What did you do to create them? I bet things that we've talked about on this list are, are already a part of that uh, pie. Um, well, I guess I should say already a part of that recipe. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's time to make it more formal and bake it into a pie that you can regularly make, uh, uh, you know, periodically, <clears throat> every time you have new people uh, constantly throughout the year, as you keep people plugged in, um, are, are things that get them accustomed to thinking and alert to the interests. So <clears throat> those are the, the two big ones. Well, I think you're spot on. And, and uh, is the organization celebrating those ho- who are alert to uh, yes. their own interests? You know, yes. you know the entrepreneurs <clears throat> and, and, and organizations I work with that are very, very good about saying we promote from within. Right? 100%. Entry-level person, worked his way up, he's now general manager, that, that type of thing. So so they, right. they celebrate each step along the way, whether it's whether it's an idea that adds value or it's a or it's a move up in a leadership role. Uh, right. This is a big deal. And this is yeah. what we value here. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And that sort of all uh, leads us to the big uh, the big word that I've been avoiding. This is the stickiest wicket. You know, the, the list starts with that. These citizens will be enlightened. Um, so he admits (laughs) the author himself in almost the very next paragraph says, uh, you know, this is an arduous enterprise. Um, he says it would be less difficult to interest them in the details of court etiquette than in the repair of their town hall. And boy, do I see modern parallels to that. You know, uh, uh, I, I don't think we have any problem uh, with, uh, you know, getting people to uh, learn about the latest celebrity craze or, you know, we could even talk about court etiquette and Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle being, you know, sort of celebrity superstars all of a sudden. And, you know, there's intense interest there. No problem getting people to follow along on that. Um, but how many of us could explain basic policies, uh, political stances, uh, even voting, you know, voting turnout? Um, so the same's going to have to be true for the organization, right? Uh, how many times do we find people who are good at navigating the politics? They know the internal politics. They might even be involved in drama, but not really in rolling up their sleeves and, you know, thinking about the organization, having, uh, their heads on and alert about improving the organization 
that's a harder that's a harder task. So getting enlightenment here, this is hard. Notice I haven't given you any ideas yet. You no, know? no, no. You're you're just like like wandering around here going. <laughs> enlightenment is arduous right <laughs> sounds like a very french thing to say yes it's some arduous enlightenment over there that you're not having yeah. so, I, I think you're right so yeah no when you think about it right i maybe I, it's the wrong you know equivability so i'm thinking of engagement yeah where, where you know are your people highly engaged uh, you know, do they, do they, you know, as, as they say, you know, do they, do they bleed the company color? <laughs> you know? right. And, right. and do they know why they bleed the company color? And then yeah. can they go out and advocate on behalf of the company, uh, you know, or the organization or the department, uh, because they have such a deep, you know, strong, deeply held belief oh. uh, in, in the why we do things. And so, so yeah, yeah I think I, enlightenment is kind of a to me a lag measure it's it's what happens after you do the other few things if i do the other things then enlightenment is the product and an enlightened employee and enlightened citizen is the product of doing all these other things so you know when, when i see enlightenment as an image in my head i'm i'm seeing like a flame you know that's lighting up and i want people on fire right i want them that engaged that they go out and spread the you know spread the word about my company and advocate for the company and so on. And um, it, it, it brings to mind a, an image from a, a letter that Plato supposedly written. I think we've talked about this before. Um, it, it, we don't know for sure that he wrote it, but it's, it's this letter describing his situation. And he, he starts it out basically saying, look, I've heard people are starting to teach my stuff and have written some books about it. I'm not worried. The stuff that I do can't be put into books. It can't be done that way. It has to be in a conversation with somebody. And, and as it were, a spark will leap from soul to soul and uh, illuminate that person on the subject. I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. Uh, as, as, uh, as, as much as this seems kind of, you know, really around the barn, the way I'm describing this, I think what this podcast episode is really about is you're going to have to have conversations with your people. There's going to have to be some wrestling back and forth even uh, in, in talking about these subjects, maybe talking about the origin story, you know, the founder's story, maybe uh, talking about some uh, principles of the organization or how we've done things that have really worked, listening to their input, making it a two-way street uh, so that we gather that input and, and uh, let them realize that when you are thinking about the organization and taking ownership, we love that. We want more of that. Um, it's going to have to be some conversations. Mike, I really believe that corporate America is positioned in a way that almost no other institution in America is positioned. We, we all sense right now that there are a lot of things that we don't like about how the United States of America uh, is, is progressing. Uh, a lot of animosity and uh, polarization and so on. And I'm not sure that our schools and I'm not sure that many families even have equipped us to really be able to be enlightened citizens of the government, let alone uh, the company. And so I think there's some real work that can be done here um, to, to help people uh, grow as individuals. And they're as you said earlier, you know, anything that's good for them is only going to be good for us. So that's, 
you know, contact me if you want to talk more about that, because if you want to talk more about that, I probably do too. Um, I, I think this is a huge, huge deal uh, to have enlightened citizens and no more subjects, you know, no, no more of these folks that aren't bought in, don't take ownership um, in, in, the, in the company, let alone the country. Well, and as we, as you know, the author saw in his country, the, sub, the subjects eventually rose up and killed all the leaders. <laughs> right. So there's, 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 that. there's that. There's that unfortunate <laughs> outcome of the whole leading subjects uh, system. Uh, so yeah, we've seen that in a few countries. So, so just to recap, a, a, a lengthy email, a, a pithy tweet, uh, a, a nice meme, uh, will probably not suffice in creating the 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 you know the, the the cadre of enlightened citizens that you're looking to build. I I think that's that's spot on. So uh, yeah, I, we we we've talked about this enough, but yeah, that the idea of you know you've already probably got it in your organization. Are your people accustomed to thinking about the the things that make your organization great and and uh, uh, you know working for the organization alert to their own interests that that radar up of of what's going on and enlightened you know and that's gonna all of this is gonna take some conversation. Fantastic man, I like this. Lots to think about, and we're here to help. Uh, right. So yeah, get your copy of Democracy in America. Uh, dive into it. When you get stuck, call us. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, good stuff, my friend. Let's uh, let's see what our uh, pithy announcer has to say. Let's do. And that's a wrap. The musings of Mark and Mike. No rights reserved, etc. Feel free to share and discuss what you heard today. Even claim the ideas as your own. <laughs> Who'd want to do that? See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius. Thanks.